Welcome to Obsessed with Design, a show about what makes designers tick. My name's Josh Miles. I'm a designer and principal at Miles Herndon, a branding agency in beautiful downtown Indianapolis. On today's show, I had a blast chatting with James Connolly from J.P. Connolly. James is a production designer who works in Hollywood with the likes of Martha Stewart and Snoop Dogg, and I promise we've got some good moments in this show. So please, without further ado, enjoy my conversation with James Connolly. All right, guys, welcome all the way from just outside of Los Angeles, founder and production designer and founder of J.P. Connolly, James Connolly. J.P. Connolly boasts an eclectic resume that includes 48 shows, 10 live awards events, nine feature films, and 50 plus digital integrations. I feel like a partridge in a pear tree would be appropriate at the end of that sentence. In addition to his work in the entertainment industry and his company, J.P. Connolly, they've also produced activations for companies like Twitter, Snapchat, and Dubsmash. Maybe we'll get into that a little bit, where the company has used experiential production design and storytelling concepts and techniques to creatively involve their clients in their environments. They've been proud recipients of one Emmy, six Emmy nominations, six Art Directors Guild Award nominations, and several Tele Awards. In addition to his success behind the camera, James recently stepped in front of the camera to co-host the interior design reality show we're moving in, where he guided new housemates as they combined their styles and assets to make their design visions come to life through innovative do-it-yourself projects. I especially like the Globe one. Maybe we can talk about that. Finally, James is active in the entertainment community, having earned a number of leadership positions among his highly esteemed peers. He's a five-year standing member of the Television Academy Board of Governors, two-time vice chair of the Primetime Emmy Awards show and co-chair of the 19th Annual Art Directors Guild Awards. James, it is my pleasure to welcome you to Obsessed with Design. Oh, well, thanks so much. Wow, that is quite an intro. Thank you very much. Yeah, you bet. Well, I'm excited to chat with you because, um, especially for our audience, this is an area we haven't really explored yet at all. So I find it fascinating, especially to see you're working with the likes of Martha Stewart and Snoop Dogg. So maybe we can, we can get into that as well, but maybe before we go there in my research, I saw that you had some, uh, some initial experience in the world of architecture. So I'm especially curious, uh, to hear about your origin story and how you got from architecture to Snoop Dogg. Yeah, sure. Fair enough. That's a, it's a good story. So brace yourself. I'll try to keep it as short and brief as possible. Um, my dad is an architect actually. And uh, my mother, um, be it the single mother that she was, even though I'm still, you know, very close with my father, um, was my art teacher. And so growing up, I was always surrounded by art lessons and painting classes and this sort of thing. And then when we would go visit dad, he would have just all these architectural plans all over. And we'd, we'd play architecture office, me and my sister. And so that was kind of the world I grew up in. It was New Jersey, a small home just on the shore. And it was always art, 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 art. And she'd drag us to museums. And then we'd see dad and he just went to work in an office and he had all these plans and would stress out about the different designers that he was working with and how he was gonna make the building. And uh, that was my entire public school education raising really. I mean, I had a small bit of like, I don't want to do that. I want to study science. And then that didn't work out. And I 
chose to major in theater set design because I found my social group there in high school. And I was just tired of learning about science and foreign language. And I, I felt comfort in the art world. Um, I was taught that theater set design is kind of like architecture for the impatient. We, <laughs> we go through so many different projects. We sketch out so many different conceptual ideas and it's just very, very fast paced version of architecture. Mm -hmm. And, um, I find that there's a close relationship there. I conveniently graduated college, went to Rutgers university, got a BFA in theater set design. Um, and I graduated conveniently. The plan was move to New York, you know, understudy at basically, or assist, um, Broadway designers draft for them, draw for them, whatever it took. And, uh, I graduated just after nine 11. And so New York just really wasn't an option. It was kind mm -hmm. of just sad news bears. Um, so I blanketed whatever I could in my old college dorm and apartment, uh, resumes throughout. And I got a job as a prop guy, um, in San Diego and I moved to San Diego. I'd never been out West before. And it was just about 2002. So the reality television craze was just alive and well. Everybody oh, was really, yeah. and I was too. I mean, I love human interest stories. Let's, let's avoid the word reality and just say human interest or documentary. And I loved the social situations that they were, but I wasn't even close to that. Like I was just propping and painting down in San Diego. I'd never been in this great weather before. And, uh, you know, I find a lot of, um, comfort in working and in my art. And so when things are stressful, um, I, I submerse myself in that just like a lot of us artists do. And so I, when I was there by myself, young guy, uh, I took on as much as I possibly could. And so I took a job during the day as the San Diego repertory theaters prop supervisor. And then I was shopping at night at the old globe for their prop shop. And then I would take side jobs, painting, and I met a woman at a wedding that said, you know, you'd be great in Los Angeles. You could do really well there. Um, television is really like the stepchild to theater. Like you, you really, you should try that out. And so I said, sure, I will. And um, I moved up. I saved up a, a bunch of money just by doing two jobs. And I moved to L.A. and did whatever I could. Again, I shopped for decorators. I painted backdrops. I propped. I just wanted to do whatever I could to stay in and around art. And uh, conveniently, the industry had a writer's strike. Reality television programming was very popular. I loved it. I used to do um, house dating shows where you could go into a house and you could pull it together in two and a half weeks. And it was quick decision making. It was resourceful materials. It was fast paced drawing, fast paced um, budgeting. It was really exciting. And I've stayed with it and I really love what I do because you get to create an environment, although the pace isn't quite as fast as what it used to be. You get to create an environment quickly and determine human behavior, even without a script and really shape uh, a space for people to interact in. And I love it. And I think that there's similarities to architecture there uh, in its overall concept. And it's really fun. Well, maybe tell me a little bit about like what your company does today. So fast forward us up to 
the current moment? Like what's it, what's an engagement look like? Or when a client comes to you or a channel or a series or show or producer, like even who do you, who do you interact with and unpack that a little bit for us? Sure. Yeah. I mean, listen, let's be honest. I'm crazy. Like I, I, <laughs> I should have said no to the projects. And the, the truth is, is I never went, I never out and said, um, Oh, I want to start a company. Like that was never intentional at all. Actually, it's really intentional to have a good time and give myself a break and like enjoy this. But no, I've managed to say, yeah, that project sounds awesome. Let's do it. And shoot, I got this other one that I really love too. Well, I have to have help to do them both. So let's get help. And so through that process of enjoying all of it and and scientifically looking at it and saying, okay, gosh, well then how the heck am I going to get through these three giant things together? And I've got to figure out a, a, a real streamlined workflow to at least systematically approach those. And again, I've done it all myself and the artistic process can be so organic that you do want to navigate a client or anybody through a a general workflow. And once you've kind of got that down comfortable for yourself, it's easy to bring on an, an assistant or an associate or a skilled associate that for that matter to partake in your workflow. And so, you know, over the few years now, I've developed a general workflow of how I like to work and the clients are happy and the, I've never really experienced too much turnover at all with clients. They keep coming back and we keep bringing new ones in. So, and they're, they're great. I love them. I mean, so I, I have a good time with my clients. And so if, you, if they like the journey that you set forward, then you can have help and assistance with that. And so just by circumstance, we've become a company. In fact, J.P. Connolly is really just called J.P. Connolly because we were using my full name, James Pierce Connolly, for a long time as the group. And uh, uh, Twitter, who was a longstanding client for us for, us for about three years um, just shortened it because it was too long to say. And I thought, well, that's a good idea. Okay, well, we'll call ourselves <laughs> J.P. Connolly. Great. I love it. The full one didn't fit in 140 characters or something. For them, I'm sure. <laughs> exactly. They're so fast and they're little tweets. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Hashtag J.P. Yeah, they, and now people just refer to me as J.P. I mean, I'll just take anything, I guess. It is what it is. But we're here today. <laughs> I finally rented out a building uh, in LA, it's 2,500 square feet. So it's cozy enough for the full-time eight of us. And then we have, uh, permalancers and some other freelancers. So we can get to be about the size of 20, um, at most. And it's just perfect size for us. And it really, you know, I didn't want to have an additional rent on top of my bill stack that comes in, but I love everybody that works with me too. So I didn't want to let them go. So you just kind of make it a you know, you adjust and you're like, well, let's get a nice convenient building with windows and figure this out. Yeah. Very cool. Yeah. So are you guys still doing, um, much of that corporate event kind of work that I had found in my research, Twitter and whatnot? The core of my business really is, um, production design for television. And, uh, I would say about 80% of it is, uh, but we do, we are entertaining a larger client right now in the retail space. And we right now are also working on a big build out at the Hard Rock Hotel in Vegas in a lobby execution. We have done a lot of work with Twitter and Dub Smash and Snapchat and Vine. And um, we, we've been approached by some others as well. 
you know, if it's creative and if there's a, if there's a taste level that I can influence and then there's a space and experience that I can touch and that people are excited about working together with, then I want to take it. It doesn't really matter if it's on camera or not. I want to be able to partake in it. So just coincidentally, yeah, for sure. I'd say, yeah, 20, 15%, depending on our seasonal business, really on mm-hmm. what happens. Sure. Yeah. There. <laughs> so what about the, um, the other side of the camera? Are you, are you still doing the, we're moving in show? Was that an experiment or tell us a little bit about that experience? Yeah, this is awesome for sure. So a while, a long time ago, I had interviewed for somebody had said, oh, there's an HGTV design challenge show. You should interview for it. And I said, well, that sounds really cool. This is, this is probably like eight, nine years ago. Mm -hmm. And I met with somebody, they loved me. Then they brought me to New York and I interviewed with the whole group. And now suddenly I was auditioning and it was really exciting. I thought maybe this was a space that I could like try to get into. Um, I got onto a pro, uh, show called White Room Challenge on HGTV, and it was a four designers competing to redecorate some white room. I think I recall this. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and I won. It was amazing. It was a two-day nonstop competition, and I brought my like all my skills that I had learned in San Diego and in school, and I was building carpentry things, and it was crazy. It was a, a hoot. It was really fun, and um, it was even better to win the prize. And so I thought, well, that was really fun. So I'm not mad at, you know, trying more of these things out. Um, So I met with a talent manager and he said, well, you're great. Sure. Congratulations. Congratulations on your little win here. Um, I'll keep you in the mix and I'll, you know, send you on things. Well, wonderful. No, listen, um, I can't quit my day job. I love my day job. Like I I live for this. This is where the real work happens. Yeah. Uh, But I had been on two interviews he had set me up with and, and I'm going to call them interviews because I'm not an actor. I'm not auditioning really. I'm just going in to talk to somebody, whether it's a casting agent or somebody from a network about a taste level. So I'm reluctant to say audition because I really have nothing really to fake. And I immediately was like one of the second ones I had met with a a group and they had uh, set up two different boards, two easels of, different taste levels. And they said, what would you do with this? Mm. And how would you merge these two? And I said, well, I'd talk and say they should break up. They're totally different. There's nothing in common. (laughs) Forget it. There's nothing I can do here. And from that there on, I mean, that was the sort of opening joke, but from there on out, I just was dragged through a few other meetings and auditions or interviews and whatnot. And I landed this um, six episode interior decorating show on the FYI network called we're moving in. And I was paired with who's a very close friend today, this woman named Brittany Simon, and she's a very successful interior designer in Arizona. And which is interesting to do a show where you're combining styles. Cause suddenly we were being forced to combine oh, yeah. our process. And you know, the design, just as an aside, the design process is incredibly insular and that most of the people I'm sure you talk to, are uh, control freaks, you know, <laughs> and perfectionists and everything else. Yeah. Yeah. Big time. And, and when you throw two people who don't know each other in the mix together, I mean, there was all this amazing learning curve for uh, our journey as well mm-hmm. as these four saps that we were redecorating for. So it was a great time, incredibly stressful. Some of the hardest work I had ever done because 
being in that place too, gosh, when was it? Three years ago, I was used to having a lot more help. I was used to making sure that they were all my decisions. Suddenly I'm running creative process through some stranger I didn't know. Thank God she's a woman. And not having the help. So, you know, you're on camera saying, explaining why you chose things, which is difficult just because I know why I chose it. I don't need to explain it on camera. And then you've got to make sure that you're both together on the decision. And then you've got to do it. Like suddenly now you've got to assemble the Ikea furniture and put it together. (laughs) So, so it was, it was, it was a great experience. It was about a month and a half of shooting it. Um, I met some really great people on it. And, uh, you know, it was, I don't know how the, the show was not like this raging success. We didn't get a season two out of it or anything like that, but it was, um, it was a challenge I would take on again. Uh, and ultimately I think what netted out for me, what's most interesting is flipping the coin on what you do to someone who's in your environment and being on the other side of the camera. And we're just going to use the camera as that soft boundary between client and designer, but being on the other side as somebody who experiences what you give to that person has really enriched my, uh, my, my process and my workflow and what I put into a show now, now, now just to show now to give the person on the other side, what those physical pieces are, what that furniture that they're touching is means so much more to me. I'd never done that. You know, I went to theater school and I really chose design because it didn't have to take an acting class. Like I just, <laughs> I hated that. I was in theater in high school because I didn't have to be on stage. I wanted to do the lighting and paint with color. And so given that challenge was so stressful, but really incredible for me. Now I know the easy paths, short distances, modesty, um, privacy, yet, um, you know, a relationship to windows and lighting is so important for somebody who's not only on camera, but also in an environment. And I think about it now so much more and I don't take it for for granted. So it's, it's special. Not to mention, I'm sure you're like a ninja with the uh, little Ikea tools now. So you've got the, (laughs) (laughs) the Allen wrenches and the, whatever those other things are. Oh gosh. Yes. I mean, even at midnight, you know, you just know exactly (laughs) what goes together. You have races too, because you don't buy one by six. So after the first one, then it's let's race to the end. Cause you need three on each side. Of course, <laughs> of course. So, you know, we've, we've talked a little bit about your show and a little bit about the corporate side, but maybe tell us about what a, maybe what a typical week or, or month looks like for you guys. Like what's, what, how much time do you get to do planning for a show and how many rounds of revisions and how many, you know, how many concepts do you create for one of these, these shows? Sure. My life is so different every day. I'm going to do a shameless plug to all the little listeners out there. <laughs> yes, please. My Instagram is at JP Connolly, And I try to show as much as I can in an Insta story, what's going on on the day-to-day basis. You know, there's a lot of top secret stuff either on broadcast or in general for like Hard Rock Hotel or whatnot, these projects until they were announced were brought in so mm. early in the process they'd have written a press release. But I try to show where I'm at and some of the process that I'm going to and what I'm looking at in particular. So please check it out. But I will say this though, uh, 
the workflow usually is I'm involved normally in the process very early, usually but way before a director, way before executive producers or showrunners are involved. Typically now networks will bring me in because uh, they already want to get a sense of uh, tone or uh, style or just uh, yeah tonality for their pr production um, or environment. And we'll just pass around tear sheets for a little bit. I will usually go through three to five design passes per process. Um, and that will happen direct from me. And it always starts on the page with pencil. Although I'm currently right now practicing on the iPad pro with my stylus. What do you think so far? It's, it's, it's hard. It's hard. I'm, uh, I'm on purpose practicing on an airplane so I can really put myself through the beast master mm, challenge. Right. <laughs> you can't move your arms or legs, but <laughs> exactly. you get Tyrannosaurus arms. Exactly. Exactly. Um, it's so far so good. I think if I practice enough, I'll get there, but nothing beats just taking the pen out, you know? Yeah. Uh, and then it'll go right from there. I will, you know, I will definitely attribute some of my success to being fluent in some early 3d programs. Um, and so then I will whip up based on proportions and scale, uh, a 3d model pretty crudely nowadays, but, um, I will pull it all together. And then, um, with my team of design associates, we'll then go through, clean that up further, fine tune some of the geometry there, and I'll then deliver the color palette and all my textures. I'll bundle that all up. It's sort of like the way a uh, creative director will do. And then we'll go through lighting passes with, with them in several different programs. Um, and that will happen and we'll deliver, we'll deliver still images, fly throughs to the client for three or four, five rounds, sometimes 12 rounds, depending on how long the process goes or whatnot. And from there, we'll, we'll sort of hit a benchmark where, okay, we feel good with about two thirds to a hundred percent of the process. Um, let's involve now a logistic team and, uh, start putting numbers to all these things. And then there's another couple of rounds of, well, can't afford that. So let's rethink some of these areas or whatnot, or, Oh, we do love that. Let's talk about how we're going to get there. And then I'll see that through with a project manager in Hollywood. They call them art directors and they will resourcefully put from vendors and all sorts of all the numbers together, best case scenarios. And then we'll oversee that through um, construction and I'll likely, if the project is large, we'll bring in a decorator. So then I'll oversee, well, we have a spinning plate with construction going. I'll spin another plate with decor and props or furniture or uh, finishings in a space. And uh, we'll shop out many options. We'll show those options to the client. And then there's usually a one week, one month process of all of it coming together. And then there's a look-see with the client and there's a, either on camera or not. And then we'll make some final tweaks and we'll deliver it. And you can sometimes get that process down to about two weeks if you have enough coffee. Um, <laughs> sometimes it's 10 months, sometimes it's two years. So it depends. So are you typically on the hook for like the, the length of the show for the next episode or, you know, are they switching things up every every show or are you kind of there for the early kind of delivering the big assets and then they kind of figure it out from there? A lot of different designers work differently. And in fact, everybody has their own process and I'm not going to, I respect all of my community. I personally love to stay with the show, but also remain as a consultant and let 
more skilled people who are used to and have more patience than I to run with the segments, different bits and bobs that you would need to keep a, a show going. Typically, in most shows, even including narrative, there'll be permanent sets that say they're, uh, you know, the friends' houses, the coffee mm-hmm. shops, and then there'll be little bits that happen throughout. And that happens the same in variety, alternative reality stuff that I stay in. And I have teams that will do that. Prop masters, uh, art directors that will stay on full time. But I do, I prefer to stay on. I, I like to see all the emails. I like to review all the choices. I like to set and correct a color if it's, if it's incorrect or it's a little out of sorts. Mm-hmm. A, I think the client likes that. It sort of sets a nice, uh, tone throughout the show and it keeps the quality on par, but also I'm a control freak. I'm crazy. Like I want to know, you know, I just like, what, why wouldn't I, I want to stay up late and look and see these things. That's right. Somebody has got to be that guy. Somebody's got to care. Yeah. <laughs> so as you kind of alluded to before, um, I don't want you to tell our listeners anything we're not supposed to know yet, or maybe, maybe, Maybe a little bit, Maybe a little but bit. I, I did hear that you've got a, uh, a show coming up with Bill Nye premiering on Netflix next month. So tell us a little bit about that since it's not even out there yet. I know. Why does ne- why does that word Netflix just give you the chills a little bit, right? Like, no, it just like, did though. I know it feels like next level. Um, <laughs> <laughs> first off, I have to say it is, um, an honor to work with them. Like, they're they're just doing such cool stuff and they really i will say from my experience with them they really have a deep respect level in their process you know it wasn't uh i wouldn't say it was easier or harder but it was just a really fun creative engagement um the show is april 21st it's premiering they will release all the episodes together i believe if i can remember i think we did eight episodes gosh that's that's tricky it could have been 10 could have been six um, and the set is amazing. I, I, I like, <laughs> I don't know if that came across in audio, but you could see on your face how excited you are about that. I gotta be honest with you. I like feel like mostly like my, my, uh, my feeling generally about my work is, is it's just full of mistakes and I want to make sure that they're perfect. And, you know, listen, I, I will say the Bill Nye set is there could be a mile. There could be a. There's a mile of things that could have been better and different and updated, and 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 I could have rearranged or whatnot. And I, typically, when I have work and I finish it, I throw it away. Like I, I don't want to see it anymore. But it is, and I will. I will say this. I think somebody, and this is totally casual comment, but somebody told me that it was one of the biggest um, things they had really kind of put together for a variety show or had ever planned to do for a variety show on that network. And it is really exciting. We explored some super cool technology integrated with the architecture. Um, you will see some moving pieces and some really cool integrated video surfaces. Um, the overall concept, uh, was really fun to do to explore modern technology and like the highest end of Apple store dream laboratory that you can mm-hmm. have in combined with appreciation of history and academia, which who's bill who bill is as well as uh, a blanket of bill's personal taste. Um, I had great conversations with him just to understand where his taste level was came from. I mean, he 
self-proclaimed will say, I don't know anything about this, but he really does. And he really, you know, what, where's his favorite store in what city? And he was pretty particular about that. And it was exciting to incorporate those details. Very nice. Well, maybe you can tell us a little bit about your work um, with another very popular show, The Voice. Tell us a little bit about what you what you did with that show as well. Sure. Yeah. I mean, I got to say, like, what an amazing adventure this show continues to be. Um, I got to thank NBC and the producers of The Voice for really giving me this opportunity. I mean, before I got that show, my name was out there, but it really wasn't as big as it is now. Ooh, so fancy. <laughs> I took that job in uh, season two. They needed help brushing it up a little bit. And I'm responsible for all, all the visual you see uh, after the artist steps off from stage. Okay. And I will say that I've affected a lot of things in addition to that, including some of the new iconic graphic stuff like the, the V and that sort of stuff. I've done the show, uh, a version of the show in China. I've done the show on Telemundo for four seasons. Um, I know the show really well. It's been a privilege to create the journey for the artist who's about to compete and see that journey different every time, um, every season. One of the best things I like about working on the show is uh, the challenge for me to keep it fresh and to reinvent the authenticity of the journey. And I think as a viewer, when you watch it, especially even if you're a fan, um, it updates itself every year and it gets cooler and cooler and you don't even know why. And I'm trying to do that subtly. So it's believable. Uh, cause it is, it's that, that show is as real as it gets. And sure. I'm curating really fancy sofas and doing <laughs> incredible wall finishes that are up to date and current and creating a entry space that right before they get on stage, that will make you so nervous and provide a, such a, a solo insular moment for the artist to really think through uh, their last nerves. Sure, I'm thinking about all that and what I can do to affect that. But uh, but I got to say, bottom line, the show is awesome. I hope it never goes away. It's so exciting every time it comes around. It happens twice a year now. And you get a chance to re-envision today's taste, set a benchmark for style, um, for millions of people to see and uh i dabble in custom furniture and i am inspired all always by music and how i can um incorporate speakers and musical influences and where musical where music is created and those recording halls and bring those um finishes uh to the artist in their you know waiting spaces it is. It's very exciting. It's really cool. It's um, I look forward to every time it comes around in the office. It's great. So maybe as a not so subtle segue, speaking of music, let's let's talk about Martha Stewart and Snoop's <laughs> potluck dinner. <laughs> how does this how does this compare to your other work and, and what kind of things are you involved with on this show? Sure. Yeah, I this show is awesome. I'm again, privileged to be a part of it. It's got such a buzz around it after one season too. <laughs> you know, like as a late thirties gay man working with Martha Stewart is insane. <laughs> um, and not to mention Snoop Dogg, but you know, I, so anyways, the show happened and dropped in my lap um, really randomly. I guess they were, on a creative process with someone else that wasn't working out. 
and the process immediately happened incredibly quick. And I was called in, hey, can you help us? Sure. And stayed up very, very, very late, did a bunch of sketches and pulled the pulled it together. But the challenge was, you know, it's got to feel real, but it also has to feel like a late night cooking show. And we have no idea how to merge these two. But we do know that it can't be some sort of cheap, contrived version of the two together. So, I mean, that's like, you know, they're like polar opposites, really. It is black versus white. And I'm not talking about skin tone. Like, it is just so like yin and yang. Mm-hmm. And there has to be a connection point. And what that was, I it, it took a while. So, I mean, I created a set that was under one roof. I think if we're talking about cooking, we're talking about the heart of a, of a house and where conversation happens, where fun happens over a kitchen island. And it's a residential kitchen. And, and I, I sort of split the two kitchens together and they're identical side by side, but it's under one gable roof. And I created a just a simple iconic gable of these. I think there are six beams. And then there's a one in front that's prominent. It's a big proud cornice. Um, you'll see them on a wide shot during the show, especially now in the next season, we're focusing a little bit more on the wide shot, but that wasn't enough. I envisioned that this house conceptually was in an urban environment overlooking a nighttime cityscape, very stylish. And I sort of pretended that I was on like a huge penthouse floor overlooking this, um, this metropolis and we had this, both our brilliant talents that they are, are very inspired by herbs, some fresh for cooking, some for others. <laughs> and I wanted to focus. A Almost fell to my chair. I wanted to focus on that a little bit, but not be so cheeky. So I created a urban, uh, an urban herb garden between the two. Uh, anchored with a olive branch in metaphor oak tree. And so there's this pretty oak tree with a lot of twinkle lights overlooking a beautiful urban uh, metropolis of cityscape. And in the back, there's all sorts of uh, flora and an appreciation of herbs. And so that's the sort of center point. And so when you watch the show, you see basically a big window with a door onto a penthouse herb garden with an oak tree in the middle. And that's sort of my olive branch between two worlds. And then you really have just Snoop's side and Martha's side and working with both of them directly about their taste level was such an incredible experience. And seeing them for the first time and see it in person was even better to get a hug from Snoop and then a tour, give a tour to Martha on the choices that I made from her inspiration. These are like, like they're, it's like, it's better than winning an Emmy. You know, it's really amazing. <laughs> That's awesome. So something you mentioned early in your description of that show was kind of the difference between the wide and the tight shots on that show in particular. Um, something I, I guess I hadn't even thought through is um, how, and this should be a question, not a statement. How involved are you with the guys who are actually shooting these shows about how detailed you want to see certain things and you know how there are these side angles or vignettes or how much it's just like a wide lockdown shot or it's steady cam or like how much do you get into that conversation oh my god i know just when you think your job isn't hard enough with the budget and the overall concept 
then it moves. <laughs> it's like you're like the ultimate Jedi master. Then you can think about each frame because we're creating a space sometimes, sometimes for audience and sometimes for the talent uh, on camera. Um, in fact, these corporate event things or these build outs like residential or hospitality or whatnot can be a little easier because you don't have to think about what the camera will see. But for television, I do keep that in mind. I mean, details are at eye level, you know, mm -hmm. that's where we'll see the subject and everything around the subject is my world. And so I will tend to keep money and high end things at eye level in terms of the question that you're asking. Yes, of course. I think about these things all the time because um, I'm crazy. But when I'm there, I always make it a point to spend at least as many days as I can, usually one to three days with the director looking at every shot. And we need to compose every shot as beautifully as we possibly can with the elements. And so there is a, um, there is a repositioning of things that may happen sometimes just so that they can get a better shot. I mean, it's part of the art form. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's super cool. So, I mean, between <laughs> Martha and Snoop and the voice, uh, your corporate clients like Twitter, like, what do you think all those, those, uh, companies, teams, and people, what do they have in common? What, what makes a really good fit for you or a good client? That's interesting. I think that, I think that they all have a, in common, a need for visualization. And I want to always provide the best visuals I possibly can. And I also think that they come to me because they not only need visualization to pull some of their ideas together. Sometimes I like to think that they're the visionary and I'm a little bit more of a shepherd, but I think that they come to me in particular among other people because I will, I will work my style in. So they come to me because I have a, a young, fresh, uh, forward thinking, whatever style about me and my taste level but they need the visualizations on top. So I think that's why they come. Do you find most of those are referrals or everybody hires you because you did the voice or what's the, <laughs> what's kind of the best Avenue for that? I don't know. I mean, maybe, maybe so. I do think that um, I've never really aggressively sought business. I like to say, and I tell the office too, it's really just about providing good work and good service. And then the work just happens to come. And I do think that the referrals are probably it. And I also think that they maybe watch and they want to know who did this. Um, I don't know. I just, it just comes and it happens. And it is about to me making everything when it comes, when it comes, it doesn't sound like this big fancy project. It sounds like this kind of idea that they're working on. And so I think it's about taking every little thing and making it as good and best as possible. And I mean, the rewards seem to happen. Are there particular red flags that you watch out for ones that, you know, this is, this is not going to end well, or it's not going to be a good fit. <laughs> good question. Uh, it sort of depends on how much, uh, how late lunch is really. And how like moody, I guess I am. At the moment. <laughs> um, I read, I mean, Oh God, I mean, I'm a fixer and, uh, a designer, I'm, I'm creating function and then I'm adding form on top. And so if there's a problem, it is about looking deeper into you and fixing that. I mean, you know, I, I'm not perfect. There's been some mishaps out there and some quarrels and some definite differing of opinions. I tend to think that when a client can 
not disarm their ego a little bit. They wind up getting in their own way. Mm-hmm. And I will provide what they want. However, it may not look the best. And I think the ultimate product suffers because it was more about an ego than about experiencing a different idea. Um, but that doesn't come from my voice. That comes from the end product. What do you feel like are some of your favorite things to work on right now? Awesome. I am obsessed with this Vegas project that I'm working on. It's at the Hard Rock Hotel. Um, I can't say exactly what it is, but it's incorporating a, 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 a very involved stage where the audience is on stage watching an incredibly immersive production, as well as a, a, a very interactive lobby where, where you, when you're invited in, you walk through a little journey um, and you can touch and feel and experience different things. Very, it, It's involving social media. It's involving merchandise display. It's involving selfie moments. I'm, it's, a, it's an incredible project of magnitude I'm really excited about. Um, I'm a huge fan of Watch What Happens Live. Uh, with Andy Cohen and I just did the new update in New York and I'm really excited. I think there's something planned in Los Angeles and I'm really excited about that just because I'm a mega fan. I'm really excited about, I'm experimenting with two things internally, um, custom furniture and development software to give the client better experience with the creative process. I'm working with uh, a software developer on new ways on showing my renderings and my artwork and how we can create the creative, make the creative process a little bit more engaging with the client. Cause I think that there's a demand for that. So, um, those are some things, those are some things that are out there that I'm, I'm, I'm really into. I always love it when people tell me what they're most obsessed with before I even have to cue them in on the, on the phrase itself. I guess maybe looking at it from a different angle, um, what do you feel like are maybe some misperceptions about production design in general or, or your work or what you do? Hmm. That's interesting. I mean, what, um, I, you know, I've been in this business now for so long, even though I feel like I'm still a young one in here, um, that I kind of know so much about it, but I would think that Nobody knows when I do talk to somebody like at the gym and you're, they're like, what do you do for a living? I'm a production designer. What is that? How do you not know what that is? <laughs> I do all the backgrounds. I don't think people really understand uh, that there's a whole world of architecture, decorating, design uh, experience that goes into whatever's around your head. And that I've, that it's been carefully thought through and curated to the, umpteenth detail and the fact that they don't know means that we're doing a great job but that they should know that it is all really thought through and whatever whoever is doing it is um is thinking through every single decision either becoming the yes man to the client or a conceptual artist and doing an immersive like beautiful sketch or whatever something completely avant-garde everything is thought through. And so, you know, when we set up a Skype interview like this, you know, there's a certain amount of positioning and this and that (laughs) we're thinking about what's behind us. And, um, that's my life. Love it. So if, uh, if I were a student 
and I'm considering production design as a future career, or maybe, maybe this conversation is the first time that I've heard about what production design is. What would, what would your advice be for that, that student or young designer? Like what would, how would they kind of take a next step? Yeah, I answer this all the time. Um, I think that don't rush into it, keep it on the table. It's tough and you're going to need a lot of endurance travel as much as possible and really experience as much as you possibly can. I really bring so many, so many personal experiences to my art and no matter what, learn a craft that you can partake in this industry. Is it technical drafting or drawing? Is it sketching? Is it scenic art, like fine painting, faux finishing, learn a craft because that craft will then also affect your output, your art, but will keep you in this business. You're not going to become a designer. You're going to grow into a designer. And so learn the tools that will help you grow organically into this. And that's my, my uh, suggestion and move to LA. Damn it. (laughs) (laughs) That's the obvious number one. But, uh, So obviously in a world that has um, so many different crafts and moving parts that are involved in this, I'm curious if you had any particular design heroes as you were coming up in the business and really kind of like what side of the fence those design heroes were part of. Sure. Yeah. Actually, sometimes I feel like I'm designing not just for the viewer, but sometimes my um, colleagues or my, uh, the generation above me, you know, I want to just sort of Mm -hmm. prove to others. And so I do look up to many. I am sort of embarrassed to say if it's so public, but, uh, you know, architecturally, uh, Zaha Hadid is uh, incredible and I've been studying her work. It's so sad that she's gone. Uh, Frank Gehry as well. I mean, his Bilbao, um, Guggenheim was mind blowing when it was first released and I was incredibly moved and impressed. Mm-hmm. There are some real mainstays here in Hollywood that I'm moved by, especially as there are some that come from Europe. Um, and there are a couple here that are local that I think, uh, really do an incredible job with, uh, environments. Um, some, there has been some really, there's been some great work on MTV in the past on the video music awards, as well as I think there's a really great showcase of design on some award shows and the Olympics. That is something to watch out for. I actually want to avoid a few names. But um, but there are some larger projects that I would never think about missing because you're just kind of want to want to study it and see what they're doing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Are there any particular genres that you're like excited to get into, like, you know, to do your first Netflix drama or a game show backdrop or sports center? Like, is, is there anything else that's on your list of, of sets you want to do? Of course. Um, right now, I feel like production design for television is good. I'm in no rush. However, I must, before I die, do something fabulous at the Olympics or the Oscars. There's <laughs> nice. no doubt I have to, but I'm happy where I'm at with what I'm doing. Um, I have no need or desire to get completely into scripted or narrative. If it comes, it comes. It doesn't interest me as much as like creating a giant, fabulous world does. I, I will say though, I'm more increasingly uh, interested in doing things that inspire me. And I'm inspired often by high-end hotels and restaurants 
and furniture and textiles and software uh, user interface for client management. And so I'm really into and would love to do a restaurant, a hotel, a furniture, a furniture line. Mm-hmm. And I'd love to continue to enhance the client experience through software development. So that is where I spend most of my time focused on honing my skills. Because again, if I, if I do a good job, it will, it will just come. So I am practicing. I am doing little furniture projects. I am doing my own little side pieces just because I'm inspired by it. Very cool. So the uh, Vegas experience, I'm sure, is super awesome. plenty for you. <laughs> I can't get enough of it. It's just really cool. I was just there a couple of weeks ago and you sort of lose your sense of scale. Like everything is so big. It's so big and so colorful and bold and cutting edge. And you really can't believe that these venues have taken this risk and done these things. I mean, these little light emissive trim details everywhere and video surfaces everywhere you go. That is so exciting. That should be everywhere. And I want to do one of those. And there's, there's no skimping. There's no place that you walk into and think, well, this is sort of ordinary. (laughs) No, I mean, it's giving you the, the, the participator in that experience, something memorable and unforgettable and you can't skim. You've got to do the best and the, the most you can and most impactful that you can. And whatever it takes with the, the most cutting edge or um, state-of-the-art technology or finish is, uh, is, is so amazing. It's so wild. Well, maybe on the other side, are there, are there things that you look at out in the, in the world around or maybe in the context of television that just kind of drive you bonkers? Like, is there anything that like trend wise that you're just like, Oh man, I wish this would be over. <laughs> you are tapping into a dark side of me. Of course. I mean, <laughs> it's for sure. I'm frustrated by so much. Um, there's some horrible stuff out there. So for our second hour, we're just going to unpack the things <laughs> exactly. you don't like. Exactly. Things I don't like. Um, yeah, my goodness. I, there's such functionality out there that just makes zero sense. I don't even know where to start. I've been on such a positive note. I would have to switch head headspace. <laughs> Gosh. <laughs> oh man. Okay. Sorry. Well, we can um, maybe we'll do a second episode and we'll come back and just have the anytime. Let me think about that. I'll rattle them off. I mean, even down to like, how do you change that clock in your damn car? <laughs> I do not want to look up a YouTube video to change the clock in my, it is just a waste of time. Why doesn't it have, why it connects to my phone to do the speaker phone. Can it connect to the phone to update the clock? Are we, it's been the same time for days. This is a problem. I think that is a, that is an entire sub industry that is ready for innovation is the, the clock and radio and Bluetooth interface in your car. Like, why is that so far behind? Catch up already. Maybe one question we can end on a, on a more positive note. Tell us about one of your proudest professional moments so far. Huh? I will go back to Martha Stewart, Snoop Dogg. And just in detail, I have been nominated for seven Emmy primetime Emmys. It's very, very cool. Um, and my mom comes to all of them and she's, uh, she's the sweetest. She's like my biggest fan. And 
even though I was, I'm not sure if she wanted me to major in theater, but you know, she's a fan now. Um, and we had schlepped through a grueling process of pulling together Martha Stewart's Snoop Dogg. It was, like I said, just incredibly fast and furious and a lot of engagement with so many different um, clients because of a show with that talent level. Many were nervous um, and Martha can make or break you. And to, so this is the day of um, everything was finished. We had fine tuned quite a bit. There's obviously some things left to be done, but it was the day that talent was gonna come in and the network was there. The managers were there, the agents were there, the lawyers were there, the production was there. All the executive producers were there. The director, everybody's there waiting for these two mega stars to come and see the set and rehearse on it. And Martha came in, she's very happy. Not a single note was taking selfies on it, asking for a tour, Mm. asking me to tell her about everything, which is incredible. Snoop was running late and he of course arrived with a major entourage. And I was talking with Martha on stage and Snoop came in and just hollered out and said, whoa, this is upper echelon and gave me a hug that lasted two complete minutes. (laughs) My mother was there. Everyone was watching all the execs and she was in town for the Emmys, which was happening in two days. Coincidentally did not win that year. And this hug is happening and people started then to take photos. And then Martha came over and then there was this photo moment between the two of them. And just to, I mean, just me and them, and then everybody sort of watching was a very um, moving experience for me. I wish I wore a better outfit, to be honest with you. (laughs) We're at a haircut for that matter. But um, (laughs) just to be appraised at such a high level for so long, it felt like it went on for days and uh, they just kept going on. And then Snoop was so impressed. He wanted to see everything and just kept saying, this is, you've just made this show so much classier than what it could have been. And it's so much better than I thought. What was, it's just so nice to have that appreciation um, and hear it. And I think that that's also kind of why we do this. Uh, sometimes it's, a, it's not the easiest job, um, and, but it's something that you provide at the end that people can touch and see and experience. So the rewards really are beautiful when they like it. And then they get praise from these demigods uh in front of clients is uh is just beyond special so um that's the that's the one at the top of my head that's an awesome story well on that note (laughs) maybe you can let us know of course you mentioned at jp Connolly on instagram anywhere else that uh we can track you down or have our listeners connect with you online absolutely on facebook we are also at jp Connolly. please like the page uh, we have gallery, photo galleries of all things, all projects up there and daily posts of what a, true inspiration that is coming out of me. I'm, I use Pinterest uh, as part of my workflow. Uh, it's not the only resource of images uh, among books and other things, but or my own personal photos. But I am daily on that, curating my own uh, inspiration for projects that are happening right now. Um, other than that, that's it. You know, I'm in L.A., so if I run into you at a bar or whatever, say hi. Awesome. Sounds good. 
Well, um, JP, it's been a pleasure having you on the show today and fun hearing about your stories. Maybe we can have you back on another year or so and hear about all these new secret things that are in the works. And that'd be great. Maybe just have an episode to unpack the this uh, hard rock thing. I think that sounds pretty sweet by itself. Let's do it. It should be uh, we should be good to go to talk about that uh, at the end of October or November. But let's also have an episode of just what are some bad things people are doing? My God, I'll just give you an hour worth there. <laughs> you got it. All right. Well, JP, thanks for being on or James. JP is your company, right? We got to be specific here. Yes. Thanks for being on the show. And thank you for being obsessed with design. Okay, kids, that was episode number 62 in the books. Thank you so much for listening. Please tweet to at Obsessed Show or at Josh Miles and let me know who you think we should interview next. Check us out on Instagram at Miles Herndon. For all of today's show notes, hit up ObsessedShow.com. Obsessed with Design is a product of the Design Obsessed team at Miles Herndon, a branding agency located in beautiful, downtown indianapolis thanks to kazzy joe for our intro music matchbox girl and to jen eds at the brassy broadcast company for all of our editing thanks for listening we'll catch you next time